Welcome, Iron Radio listeners. This is IronRadio.org, and I am Robert Fortress Fortney, uh, former editor at Muscle Mag International, former competitive bodybuilder, and current strength enthusiast. And uh, Bill, go ahead, Charles. Sorry about that. I go before you, by the way. Jeez. Oh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, Charles Staley, author of Muscle Logic, uh, creator of Escalating Density Training, and I'm also a master's level weightlifter. Uh, this is Phil Stevens. Uh, Trainer with Daily Training Systems, uh, competitive power lifter, and founder of LifterHope.org. Cool. And we're here with Josh Henkin today. Josh, thanks for joining us. Thank you guys very much. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, you're you're like the go-to guy for sandbag training, which is what we're going to be probably talking about today. And uh, for those who don't know about Josh, I mean, Josh has been around forever. I've known Josh for a long time. Josh, I still remember when I was contemplating a move to Phoenix, and I was asking you all these idiotic questions like, does it get cold in Phoenix in the winter and <laughs> you know, stuff like that. So Josh was like my my uh, my relocation uh, specialist, but uh, but. Uh, 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 he, Josh is located up in uh, Scottsdale, Arizona, and he's got a, a bachelor's of science and uh, exercise science, and uh, he studied under all the greats, uh, including me, and uh, you know guys like Charles uh, Polican and John Davies, and uh, uh, he's uh, he's gotten certifications through uh, through Paul Check and Ian King, and he's a USA Weightlifting Club coach, and he's a CSCS, and the list goes on and on. And you know he's worked with athletes from all sorts of different sports. And um, uh, what, what perhaps is most interesting about Josh is that he, I think, is the leading proponent of sandbag training, which leads me to the website that is probably most pertinent for for the discussion today, which is sandbagexercises.com. Probably the best place to reach Josh. So, so Josh, what's up with sandbags? Like, uh, what what? What is the unique characteristic of a sandbag compared to a weight? And, of course, a sandbag is weight. It's just a specific type of weight. But what's unique about it and what's useful about it? Well, first, Charles, if I'm, if I'm a relocation expert, how do you end up in Gilbert? Oh, Gilbert's <laughs> awesome. Get out of here, man. <laughs> you, guys up in, you guys up in Snots, Snotsdale, I mean, come on, man. Gilbert is where it's at. Do you guys, you, do you guys have an ostrich festival? No. All right? So... <laughs> Gilbert is where it's at. <laughs> well, it's a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, <laughs> the, <laughs> I'll, I'll take up the ostrich festival later. Um, <laughs> basically, you know, the, the big difference with sandbags, you know, I think you coined the term uh, so beautifully is non-cooperative objects. Uh, you know, obviously, odd object training and strongman training has gotten really big in probably the last three to five years. And sandbags actually represent one of the few implements that are, are truly awkward and odd because they shift and change their form in every sense of the term and every repetition is significantly different from the next and unlike a lot of implements out there it's impossible to groove a sandbag so you never really become super efficient and therefore you can you can make the argument that you can get really great strength gains and improve stabilizer strength because of these sandbags because no one rep is the same that's so interesting you know it's um that's I've never heard that I've never heard it put that way that you can never get efficient. I always use that as an argument against running. Like mm-hmm. I always say running is a sucky thing to do because the more you do it, the more efficient you get at it and therefore the less you benefit from it. So uh so sandbags are just the opposite then. Yeah, and I I, I can get myself in trouble with the kettlebell community and so I'll preface this by saying, you know, I'm a big proponent of kettlebells, 
But if you look at kettlebell training, I mean, what makes kettlebells great is also what makes them bad is that they're so easy to group, and that's what makes them a strength endurance tool rather than, you know, a maximal strength tool or something that really focuses on uh, probably high-level strength gains versus just trying to do strength endurance type training. I know I get a lot of emails for that, but, you know, uh, 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 completely opposite, the sandbag, you can't groove, so therefore every lift is a different type of lift because every rep is a different rep. Would it be, along the same lines, would it be correct to say, I was just sort of thinking to myself as you were saying that, that, um, you know, if you, lift a, if you lift a barbell or a dumbbell, mm-hmm. the leverage changes throughout the range of motion. So in other mm-hmm. words, you know, uh, I don't know, if you're doing a bench press, as you come off the chest, the leverage is more in the shoulder, and then it shifts to the elbow. But the funny thing is, is that with a sandbag, the leverage can change even if your joints, even if your joint angles don't change, Right. Absolutely, and that's a great example of it because especially with our specially designed sandbags, you give an example, if you're pulling one of our ultimate sandbags, if you're doing a standard power clean type movement, number one, the weight's all at the bottom. So, okay, you have that same argument with kettlebells, all the weight's at the bottom, so it's going to feel like a heavier pull. But as you start to lift the weight, the weight starts to move it down against you. So now you're having to increase the extension of the pull because you don't have the weight perfectly balanced on the sides. It's actually going to fight you as you start to pull it up. And additionally, you're going to have the weight moving, so you're going to have to have a really clean explosive triple extension to Mm -hmm. properly clean the sandbag versus, you know, you could get a a barbell, and like you said, I mean, the weight's not going to change, so if you're pretty technically proficient, you could sort of groove that lift pretty well. And that's actually a good thing because that's how you get, obviously, technically proficient at the clean. Yeah. Huh. It's funny how you mentioned a clean because – I always I always thought that the best exercises were ones that could be done with multiple implements. So a clean being one of them. You can clean a barbell, you can clean a dumbbell, you can clean a kettlebell, you can clean a a sandbag. So uh, whenever you run across that, I think that's a sign that you're on the right track. Um, if you you know if you can't you know you can't clean with a selectorized machine, you know. So. <laughs> well, absolutely. And, and the cool thing with a sandbag is we can do multiple types of clean. So you, we have what we call a zercher clean, where you do the pull and you catch it across the arms uh, in a zercher position. You can clean it where you pop underneath and you get your fists underneath it so you can go into multiple other movements. Or you can do a shouldering motion, which is really cool. That really is where the sandbag becomes very unique because if you shoulder a sandbag, basically if you go through all the great wrestling techs, that's one of the standard drills they do for all-round body strength, and they'll, they'll use it as a test of all-round body strength is basically how well can you shoulder a weight to your uh, a sandbag up to your, up your shoulder. And it's incredible because when you think about it, it seems like it's a simple movement. But, again, we have the movement of the bag and the fact that you have to get half of the weight over your shoulder right. to, to actually complete the lift. Oh. So it's not like you can, you know, there's some people that inch it up, but if you're going to actually do a, a really get the benefit of shouldering, you have to get half the weight up. And, and with some of our bags, you're talking almost 100 pounds, you have to clear over your shoulder before you receive right. the weight. Huh. Wow. Well, I, I can see why you are the leading exponent of the sandbags because you, you articulate these uh, concepts uh, very well. If you're just joining us, we're talking with Josh Henkin of sandbagexercises.com. Um, Josh, one thing that strikes me as, a, as, a, as an additional benefit to sandbags is um, probably not a whole lot of people have, like, broken their toe by dropping a sandbag on it, right? <laughs> no, absolutely. And where I got some of the information, uh, 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 I should say, some of the inspiration 
uh, was actually from Brooks Cubic. So as I was getting into really a lot of the old-time lifting ideas, I read Dinosaur Train, and Brooks has a whole section where he's talking about barrel lifting and sandbags, and he actually makes a comment in there. He goes, you know, both are great, but, you know what, you're not going to hurt your toe by dropping a sandbag on it. Mm-hmm. So for a lot of athletes, it's safe. You know, if you're talking youth athletes, and, you know, for my personal training clients, you know, it's it's a great way for them to be doing explosive and dynamic exercise in a very safe environment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, similarly, you know, you don't even need a weight room floor. I mean, you know, you could – you can use a sandbag just in the living room on carpet. It doesn't matter. I mean, it's not going to hurt anything. No, that's the beauty of it. I mean, it's great for in-home use. You know, we get a lot of professional sports teams uh, that will take it out to the field or the court with them. You know, uh, you know, outside of football, you know, especially a lot of high school sports get sort of thrown out of the weight room by football. So we've had basketball programs and soccer teams take them right out to the field with them so they can do their strength conditioning just as they're doing their skill training because, you know, time is a factor, space is a factor. And like you said, you know, you, you sort of make with what you can do. Yeah. We, a couple of weeks ago or three, four weeks ago, we sent out a note because we sell your sandbags. We sent a mm-hmm. note to my list. And I got, an, I got an email from this guy. And he's like, come on, Charles. Like, what's up? Like, you know, I can make my own freaking sandbags. But, <laughs> but yeah, you can make your own sandbags. But if, if, you're, if you're kind of really into this and you see the benefits of sandbag training, I mean, there are some people, myself included, mm-hmm that would prefer to have like a little bit of a better tool. And, and what's kind of nice, and, and you can kind of elaborate on this, but you have a unique system of handles and, and you have a unique in, enclosure system because if you make your own sandbags, I don't care what you say, like it's not going to be long before that sucker starts leaking. And your sandbags don't leak at all, which is kind of a big thing. Well, yeah, I mean, this has been our biggest challenge because, you know, I didn't – I wasn't clever enough to go into this going, I'm going to make a million dollars or whatever, retire early off of sandbags. What actually occurred is I was getting into strongman training, and I didn't have many of the implements that you would need, and then Phil can relate to this. And so what we did is we made a whole bunch of homemade sandbags to replicate, you know, different type of carries, you know, try to get used to stone lifting and other things like that. And I remember specifically we had a homemade sandbag that was about 200 pounds, and we were trying to lift it up to his shoulder, and the whole thing burst open around my black floor. <laughs> so you can imagine how much the wife at the time liked that. Maybe that's why we're divorced. But, you know, that could be explained a lot. You know, and, and, and what ended up happening is I, I saw this great tool. But the problem was is I saw its inability to be applied in a lot of different situations, meaning that I wanted to be able to apply the sandbag training to my clients. But here's the problem. You know, if you make your own sandbag, you can't really determine – the dimensions of the sandbag. Because if you're dealing with a sandbag, you have to not only consider the weight, but the dimensions of it, because that will change it right. vastly as well. Uh, so, you know, when I started applying the sandbags to my clients, I found out a couple things. One is they didn't like smelly, dirty duffel bags in their faces. Um, huh. They would tear the, the, the skin off their knuckles right. trying to clean the bags. And we just couldn't change the weight very easily. And for some people, the dimensions of the weight were too easy. And for some people, it was way too hard. Right. So, and, you know, at the time I was renting from a commercial gym and they didn't appreciate the trail of sand that you could mark me with, you know, depending upon where we were. So yeah. I, I selfishly started this just by saying, you know, if, I, if we wanted something more professional, if we wanted something that could be more versatile, what would we do? And that's how we sort of came up with our, our, our current system. And it's gone through so many revisions because, you know, I'm like you, Charles. I'm a strength coach at heart. I'm not a manufacturer. Right. So there's been so many lessons. I've learned in the process that I would have never imagined if I was just simply 
you know, a strength or a fitness enthusiast looking for a sandbag that has gone into creating these things. And now we have different dimensions and different loading capacities, different handle attachments. You know, I, you know, uh, a good friend of mine, Alan Cosgrove, you know, he jokes. He's like, yeah, you can look your own sandbag. You can make your own step-up box. You can make your own barbell if you wanted. But the yeah. minute that thing collapses, I don't want to hear from you. Right, right, right. <laughs> you know. Yeah, so and, what's kind of cool? And you're not gonna, yeah, and you're not going to appreciate that. You're not going to appreciate the implement if you try to make it yourself, because I think that's pretty much true with anything you try to do yourself. Well, yeah, and you hit on a couple of good points. That so, so these sandbags are are leak proof. They have handles. That doesn't mean you have to use the handles. Okay, if you're a hard ass and you don't want to use handles, don't use handles. But you can use handles if you want to still have skin on your fingers. You can use the handles, and and you have different packets, so you can have multiple inner sandbag, so to speak, that, that you can load into this so that you can pretty quickly change the load, which is pretty useful. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, it's funny that you hit on the, you know, being a hard-ass concept because, you know, we actually had a strength coach who wanted us to remove the handles for him because he didn't want his athletes to use them. And, yeah. you know, I find that comical because one thing is you just don't use the handles if you don't want to. But the handles, right. you know, people think that handles make things easier. And it's quite the opposite. The handles actually, you know, now increase the versatility exponentially. Right. So exercises you couldn't do with your homemade sandbag, which we show in our workshops and certifications, are now possible with the handles. And with the handles, the best part is when you start to lift up, you have this whole giant weight going against you, like I talked about earlier. So if right. you use, let's say, one of our burly bags, and you're trying to clean that sucker up, and that sucker's around 150, 170 pounds, it's not on the sides. As you start to pull up, all that weight's dropping away from you. That is not yeah. easier. <laughs> I am sorry. And you know what? So, if you've never used a sandbag, it's just like it's kind of one of those things. It's kind of like a kettlebell. It's like you just don't understand until you pick it up. Like a hundred pound sandbag is like just way beyond the capacity of most people. Oh, I mean, yeah. I'm yeah, related to from from strongman type stuff. I mean, I would rather lift. I'd rather lift a four hundred pound stone than a two hundred pound sandbag. Honest. <laughs> I mean, it's, funny it's, that, it's funny that you say that, though, because, like, you know, people say that all the time, you know, you know this better than anyone. You know, people are all in the strongman training. The truth of the matter is that most of the strongman implements, you can groove. Yeah. And yeah. even with things like stones, you start using tacky, and yeah. it sort of removes a lot of the awkwardness to it. You know, so yeah. sandbags are one of the few implements There's not much of a way to get around it. Yeah, and, and we've had – small learning curves. There are a few yeah. little tricks, but, yeah, nothing sure. to make it totally easy for sure. Yeah, and, and we've had 700-pound deadlifters that struggle, you know, uh, cleaning and pressing a 130-pound sandbag. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's just one of those things, like you said. I mean, obviously, do you get better the more you do it? Sure, because you understand the movement patterns. Yeah. But it's never easy. No, no. Yeah. I don't so, ever look forward to it. I mean – I do it, but I don't look forward to doing it. <laughs> uh, it's it's really the perfect tool if you're just like a hard ass. Believe me, it's just like there's there's really no comfort. There's no there's kind of no way to rest or you know, uh, you know it's kind of like if you if you clean a barbell once it gets to your shoulders, you can kind of collect yourself and rest. But kind of with a sandbag, you don't even get that chance. No, that's when the worst part actually begins. Once you actually actually get it to the clean position. Yeah, then it gets even. <laughs> Yeah, it, you're you're rewarded by being even in a worse situation. <laughs> right. I mean, if you enjoy struggle, like you just will enjoy this. So, how would you? Um, what are your thoughts about application in terms of specific motor qualities, or if you know, if you think about all the the goals that athletes have, ranging from hypertrophy to mobility to maximum strength to strength endurance, to, 
where does the where does sandbag where does sandbags fit in with regard to those objectives? Well, you know, at first, you know, I sort of struggled with that idea because I didn't want to go into it going, you know, this is going to solve cancer. But what, what ended up happening is the more we got into it, and the more I, you know, got better, better materials, you know, access to and playing with the sandbags more myself and getting the versatility. So I, and the more I thought I could solve a lot of problems because I, I didn't want to stay away from, hey, you know what, this is going to be a great national strength implement. And if it's not, I don't want to promote that. But actually, it depends how you use it because we right. consulted with elite special forces and uh, NFL teams and major league baseball teams. So you're talking about a whole bunch of different athletes, and they've all found applications. Uh, for example, a sandbag is not a great deadlift tool. Right. It's just not. It, you know, it's, it's not, you know, when you get too heavy, it's just too awkward, you're better off using a barbell if you want a deadlift. Sure. Uh, however, if, if you want, you can build great hip strength in a couple ways. We have an exercise that we call rotational deadlift, which gets to overload one hip quite a bit. So you could use a 200-pound sandbag, which is, as Phil can tell you, quite a bit of weight, and you're doing these rotational uh, deadlift motions, you're getting a ton of hip strength. It's almost like doing a one-legged deadlift, but with way more weight. Uh, you can develop power with some of the moves we were talking about, like shouldering, uh, you know, uh, the, the clean and presses are all power-based movements. Uh, we have amazing rotational drills that really excite people because no one's really gotten, gotten into the rotational aspect of these bags, and that's a tremendous way to build athleticism and power that, you know, usually people miss out in their whole training because most weight room drills, no matter if you try to be functional or not, really miss the whole component of rotation as far as pivoting the foot, power generation, absorption. Uh, yeah, yeah. So that's a whole aspect. And obviously the conditioning is super easy because no matter what you do, it's a great conditioning tool. If you're doing more repetition work and dense, you know, your EDT program, your EDT programs are absolutely horrific to do with a sandbag. Um, so you mentioned, it, it, a, you mentioned so. absorption. And mm-hmm. uh, I was thinking about a core training drill for Phil. I haven't mentioned it to him yet, but we were thinking about <laughs> – having him lay on his back and then dropping the 100-pound sandbag onto his abdominal <laughs> area from about 40 feet in the air. And uh, that that'd probably be pretty effective, huh? Can we get that on video? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, we, no, we, we video, video everything. <laughs> so we do a lot of absorption drills now. Uh, not quite that extreme, you know. We, we, uh, you know, uh, things like um, our, uh, we have something called a half-moon snatch. Uh, again, you know, a sandbag is not a great snatching tool. Yeah. because there's too much risk involved. Uh, but we have complexity involved with our half moon snatch. Basically, if you think about, you know, if I'm standing like in a deadlift position, the bag's off to my right, and I'm going to basically bring it up over my head to the other side. Hmm. Uh, so when you start doing that, basically what you have to do, you have to create a whole bunch of force, and you have to quickly get back in the right position to absorb the force. If you don't, you basically start to fall forward or stutter step or get out of position. Right, so right, that's right. a really simple drill that we teach people. And if you become efficient, it's amazing what the movement actually becomes. And it's a great drill to basically, you know, uh, help people's athleticism a little bit because you have to be able to rotate, pivot. You have to be able to sit back and develop power all at the same time. Very cool. <clears throat> no, I mean, I think just – I don't know. From using your sandbags, I mean, I think you're you're correct in the handles. I had never done a sandbag with handles until I got yours, and mm-hmm. you know, it it in no way makes it easier. I mean, you grab that damn thing and it it folds in the center. Whereas, you know, I had learned 
from in strongman, generally to, to pick a sandbag up the easiest way, you you do grab it at the center at its core, so it doesn't sag on you. Right. So I mean, I agree. Those people that want the handles cut off, man, I try it first. And you can always take out a pair of scissors and and ruin the bag yourself. <laughs> you know? Well, it's funny that you say that because I mean, you know, in the common conversation I've done is that you know, and this is the this just goes off experience. The sandbags have always been always been stuffed pretty full. So yeah. it's it's while it's definitely still awkward, it's a lot easier to pick up a stuff filled uh sandbag than it is a soft one. And yeah. what's hard for people to get an appreciation of until they use them is the different sizes. So for example, we have two sandbags that look like they can load up to the same capacity, which is our large and our burly. But they're completely different sandbags because the large is much longer and the burly is more compact and the burly was made to do heavier overhead work with. So, you know, with the large sandbag, it's more awkward because you've got this long length to deal with and you have more movement that way. And the bully is more difficult because you've got this compact bag that's hard to get a groove on because it's constantly shifting. So it's been fun because we've been able to emulate, you know, somewhat stone type of lifting, you know, with our burlies. And, you know, we've come up with some great drills, especially for tactical athletes. Instead of, you know, risking them on stone lifting, they've been able to replicate some movements uh, with the sandbags. Yeah. Uh, anybody who wants grip strength as well, um, get a bag that's stuffed and don't use the handles and try to pick that thing up. <laughs> it's, it's it's horrible. But, I mean, it's great, especially, I mean, trying to pinch grip a, a loose bag. Um, oh, God. I mean, it's it, it's it's a whole, whole new a whole new stimulus for sure. People well, you know, everyone talk- always talks about grip strength and they, like, go to thick bars and they do this and that. So that's all great, but that's only focusing on one type of grip strength. Yeah, right. You know, mo- most times in grip strength in sport, you're going to have to have a lot of finger use. Mm-hmm. And so it's really the fingers. Now, especially, you know, you got, you know, I know Charles with the martial arts background can probably testify that, you know, having, you know, coordination and strength in the fingers is just as important as the grip. Because sometimes yeah. it's just hard to get the grip to more or less, you know, hold on to it. Well, I know for me, like in the sport of weightlifting, I have no grip issues at all. Mm-hmm. And um, the reason I don't have grip issues is not because my grip is strong. It's because I have long fingers. Mm-hmm. And if you Absolutely. have long fingers, you can do a good hook grip, and, and you don't really even need grip strength. But, you know, it's a, with sandbags, it's a little bit of a different issue, and that will really expose whether or not you have a strong grip, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because, oh, I, I mean, I, I used to talk uh, with Kevin Nee, who's a pro strongman. I used to work out with him. And he used to laugh that he could, you know, farmers walk 400 pounds in each hand, but he couldn't close the number two gripper from Iron Man. Right. Right, different thing. Because it's totally different grip strength. It's totally different. You know, it depends on the size of your hand and so forth. And, you know, sandbags really expose people on, on that type of thing. If you have a weakness, you're going to get exposed when you start doing the sandbags. And I'll give you an example. We did a workshop for a lot of people that were kettlebell users. And, you know, while kettlebells are great, you, you, have, you tend to get into a certain pattern. And when we started making people do more dynamic type of exercises, they were actually stumbling over themselves. Hmm. So, you know, if you take a simple exercise like a reverse lunge, but you put a sandbag on your shoulder, the amount of imbalance that you crave is way way much more difficult than trying to stand on something, you know, like a whoopee cushion because you have to stabilize in so many planes to do it properly. Sure, sure, sure. I think that that right there is probably the, the best segue we can ask for into the topic of the day. And, no uh, doubt. The, the the benefit of adding. Well, well, let me just let me let me strike that up, and we'll get to that.
um, the topic of the day that it fits right into what to what Josh was just saying. It's it, the benefits of adding odd implements into your training, and and like you just hit on, you know, you get a lot of people that get very caught up in the kettlebells, or very caught up into to one one plain implement, and then uh, you know you just add some little twist on, and it just shows these glaring weaknesses. Um, much like you know, take somebody that. Yeah, me. I can. I I've pulled out of the racks 850 plus pounds with bare hands, but I have trouble grabbing a 100 or 150 pound sandbag with pinch grip. You know, and uh, it's just the the odd little benefits you can get from from your training from adding this stuff in. Absolutely. Okay. If you if you add if you add in you know everything I know, I'm not telling people just go add in sandbags and forget everything else. But you know, if you add some of these implements you know, in various forms with a purpose, you can get a more well-rounded program where you sort of take out from the holes because, you know, I think, you know, I love what Charles is, I think, the master of, like, putting things just right. Where he's talking about, you know, there's always a risk, there's not always a reward. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, uh, I think, you know, every implement has deficiency. So the more different types of implements you use, the less you, the more you sort of cancel out those deficiencies and you yeah. essentially the positives. I think so. I, you know, there's just, I I wish I was more articulate in describing that concept of uncooperative, right? Mm -hmm. You know, but um, I don't know if you have sort of explored that, Josh, but, um, you know, when you clean a bar, if you do a clean and press with a bar, I mean, that bar is kind of designed to be lifted. It's designed to fit in your hands. It's designed to sit nicely on top of your shoulders. Um, you know, the reason that a 45-pound plate is the diameter it is is so that when it's on the floor, it could it could roll over your body and not smash your head. You know, that, that bar is designed to be lifted safely and efficiently. But when you get into things like stones and, uh, you know, farmer's logs and, or not, you know, strongman logs and sandbags, now you've got an implement that really is, is has not been designed to be lifted in any degree of efficiency or 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 sometimes safety, <laughs> and um, <laughs> I think that's you know it reminds me of like slosh pipes, right? Which mm-hmm. I've really never used. I always see Dan John talking about them, but I think that's the element that 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 really is useful about this. And and of course, obviously, I'm a big proponent of barbells, and um, mm-hmm. even though. A barbell is made to be lifted efficiently. You can always counter that by just adding more weight. But it is also nice to have the option of something that is so inefficient that you don't really have to add a ton of weight. There's a lot. I think there's a lot of benefit to that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's funny because I think you say it perfectly. I mean, I, I'm sure we've all seen situations. I can probably repeat about 20 where you know, you've seen someone who's strong on, you know, Olympic lifting or powerlifting and they go to do an odd implement and they get pretty humbled uh, yep. just because you just get very familiar with whatever you use, you know. Sure. Uh, and and so, uh, you know, I've seen a, a very nat- very high weight, high, uh, highly ranked weightlifters, you know, really find, you know, jerking a log to be completely uncomfortable and unfamiliar. Yeah. Uh, you know, even though there's still handles and it's, you know, relatively a stable implement, just changing that little bit, you know, hand position and probably body position that throws them off. But, yeah, I think, you know, I, I've personally seen quite an increase 
in performance. When I was training for strongman doing locked stones, I know my deadlift just went out up exponentially because I think you hit all the areas of the week. And, you know, some of these implements, you just can't hide your weaknesses from. So you're forced yeah. to get stronger if you actually <laughs> finish a lift. Yeah. Um, you know, and I'll, I'll give you a, a perfect example. I, I put out a challenge for my for my list. It was called the three rounds of hell. And what I had done is I took a 170-pound sandbag, and the, the challenge was you had to shoulder it 10 times in a minute. You got a oh. minute break, and you had to do oh. that two more times. Oh man! And I was so I was training for that because it made me want to puke several times. Um, <laughs> and I was training for that, and then I retested my power clean, and I almost did a PR. And I hadn't been power cleaning for quite some time because of a wrist injury. <laughs> wow! So you know, I, you know, outside of just you know viewing it with other athletes and 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 you know seeing the results myself, I can attest that this is definitely a style of training that is meant to stay. The only thing I ever worried about, and I'm sure you guys as in terms of the intelligent implementation of it. Sure. Yeah, for sure. And I also like the idea of kind of what I would call contrast training. And an example of that would be like uh, a log clean and press or clean and push press followed by barbell clean and jerk. And, and what's kind of cool about that is, is, you know, you start off by handling this very awkward uh, implement that's very uncomfortable. And then when you go to the bar, your, your comfort with that thing just by contrast just is so uh, so much greater that I think it it improves your it improves your lift you know so ordinary you take this lift the barbell clean and jerk which many people call the king of all lifts or the hardest lift there is but but in comparison to a to a to a log clean and press it actually feels fairly comfortable and fairly easy. Sure. I mean, I tell people that all the time. I've written a couple of articles about, you know, it's contrasting the sandbags with kettlebells or barbells. And, you know, something I've experimented is doing our, our rotational deadlift prior to a heavy uh, barbell deadlift because I feel that the rotational work sort of excites some of those stabilizer muscles in the hips. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it actually loosens you up and awakens some of those stabilizers, and your pull tends to feel a little bit better. I mean, there seems like an infinite number of ways you can add, uh, you know, different type of complexes you know, speed, power, and strength, you know, using different implements and different strategies. And that's the cool thing. It should be like, basically, I, I get all excited because now it just seems like training has that many more options to me. And I can yeah. solve that many more problems with clients because now when a client comes in, depending upon what their issues are, we can use so many different strategies in fixing them. Yeah. So I think, you know, you kind of hit on it too. I mean, sometimes the best way to attack say you have a, a weakness in a lift, is not by doing that lift itself, but by finding something that attacks the weakness in that lift. Yeah. And many times that's by doing something totally different. You know, I've raised my deadlift by by doing power cleans or, like you said, uh, lifting stones. And um, not just that, with, with the implements and whatnot, it adds, I don't know, a little bit of a mental break. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it's something different, and it's something you can – you can go to something new and get new PRs in, and it keeps you excited and going. You know, in your training, if you're if you're if you're lagging in one area and it's not coming up, man, try something different. You know, and, oh, yeah. and progress from that, then come back to your lift and see what happens. Well, I always find it amusing. You know, we're all so fascinated with the you know the Soviet the former Soviet programs and so forth, and and we seem to take them so out of context. I mean, a basic principle is like we seem to do the reverse. Is like when we start training, we all want to become specialists. And, you know, it's completely opposite of everything 
the very foundation of what made the Eastern European countries so successful is they did all sorts of different things on a completely different sport. And, you know, we have a completely different strategy. When we start lifting, we're like, I'm going to become a power lifter, and that's what I'm going to do, and that's all I'm going to do. You know, I've never lifted right. before. It's been 20 years since I worked out, so that's, <laughs> why I, that's why I am. It's almost like the label makes us proud, you know, and, and doing anything outside of our, our comfort zone is, is frowned upon. Yeah, I mean, people just need need to get out of their box a bit. Um, and I think I think that's kind of dangerous because then you see people just get a little way out there and doing stupid stuff. But, I mean, there's a lot of implements that you can use. And like Charles always says, it's, it's not the implement, it's the movement. You know, you can Absolutely. snatch with a sandbag you can, or clean a sandbag. You can clean a bar. You can clean a log. You can clean whatever. You know, it's, it's more the keep the movements mixed up the implement from time to time. Yes. But, yeah, I mean, it's you almost can, so similar to what Pavel said. Yeah. <clears throat> Go ahead, Josh. It's, it's the whole idea. I think Pavel said, said well, he said, uh, you know, same but different. Yeah. You know, and that's the way I look at a lot of these things. You know, we're not totally going off the wall with, <laughs> with something that doesn't seem to correlate to the lift at all, but we're just trying to create new strategies to excite. You know, I think it's a couple things that did on a mental break or, you know, trying to hit some new ranges of motion that weren't hit before because you became so specific and grooved with a lift. Yeah. Very um, interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess... How we we need to get some take home points here on you know training with with different implements. How people can can start to do this in an effective way um, and get benefit from it. Um, you know, because I'm not a big pro- a proponent of just you know going willy nilly and trying everything. I mean, you need to have a, a strong base and and you know maybe add one thing at a time and find out what works. You know, if you get one of Josh's sandbags, you know. Do a four-week program where you're doing one move and you're and you're learning it, trying to bring up a lift, you know, sure. mm-hmm. or adding that day. You know, I I I saw big success with having like an event day out of the week, and it's more of a total body session, depending on what kind of athlete you are. You know, and you just go go have some fun with with new stuff, and you'll be amazed that you know just just trying new things and you'll get stronger. Absolutely, and I think you know you hit a big point though. Know, Something I don't think a lot of people address, though, is I, I look at sometimes these tools, you know, and I've had the most experience in my sandbags with problem solvers. You know, Charles, I think, wrote an article a long time ago about basically making an argument that you know, a lot of athletes are just focus on high poles, uh, not even worry about cleaning a bar. And I don't know if you still feel that way, but I thought it was a great argument, and, you know, I think a lot of people have repeated it since. But, you know, if you're an athlete, it's totally different than being a lifter. You know, if you're a baseball player and your goal is to become a better baseball player, then, you know, you don't have a lot of time to spend on trying to get proficient in specific lifts. You're going to use different implements and different strategies to get the performance outcome that you want in the simplest means possible. Because, you know, and Charles has had a lot of experience with different athletes. There's very few athletes that are not lifters that enjoy lifting. Right. So, you know, if, you know, if you, if you can get them to do what you want in the simplest means, you know, I'll give you an example. I could, you know, a lot of times we use our bear hug squat uh, version to correct people's form because most most average people come in with a lot of flexibility issues, uh, motor pattern issues, and, you know, we could try to put them on a six-week corrective phase and get them to squat right. Oftentimes we can get significant progress by making them do a bear hug squat because they get a counterbalance. They're able to position themselves more comfortably 
and they have some load to help them down into the lift. Does that make it unique to a sandbag? No, but it's a great reason to use one and that specific grip because we have a specific goal in mind. We're just trying to get them to gauge a good deep squat, and that often helps a lot of people. Great example. Great example for sure. Well, very cool. So it's sandbagexercises.com, and, and just so that people know, Josh, um, you've you've got how many different uh, variants of the sandbag right now? What are the options? We have uh, four different sizes. We usually uh, recommend, we rename one of them. We used to have an intro package. We call it power package now because we don't want guys to be embarrassed to buy our intro package. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's a sandbag that has a base, comes with, comes with uh, 30 pounds worth of weight. Uh, actually, you fill the sand, but it comes with 30 pounds of what we call fillers. And that size is really great for both starting women and men that want to do, like, rotational and power training. Uh, it's also great for young athletes. It goes up to about 45 pounds. Uh, it's our smallest dimension. Then we have what we call our strength package, which is the most popular for men. It comes with 70 pounds worth of uh, fillers, which is going to take you quite a ways. Uh, that's a good, good both dimension and weight to do a lot of both strength and endurance training. And then we have what, what's called a burly sandbag, and our burly is the same length as our strength package, but it can go up to 175 pounds. So it's a great one for doing, you know, heavy overhead lifting. Uh, if you're into trying to do, you know, similar stone lifting type movements, uh, it's just a great all-around bag. And then our last one is our advanced package. It comes with uh, both our burly and our advanced come with 140 pounds worth of fillers. And basically, that one's our longest bag, and it's the most challenging bag to lift because of its length. And that one goes up to about 155 pounds. And, uh, and that thing at 155 pounds is quite a bear. So our Burley right. and our Vance are definitely recommended for serious strength athletes. That is so crazy. And by the way, I just want to make the point. One time somebody called, and they had ordered a sandbag, like, you know, what, I have to fill it myself? I'm like, folks, you don't want to pay shipping on sand, okay? You don't want... You don't want Josh shipping you sand. Just buy the freaking sand at your local uh, Home Depot for almost no money, and that way you don't have to pay hundreds of dollars of shipping on sand. So, no, it doesn't come with sand. No, I have a hysterical story about that. You know, Alan Cosgrove at a conference one time came up to me and said, I love your sandbag, but, you know, I had to make one of my interns fill it. You can just ship it loaded. I said, Alan, do you know how much it would cost to send, you know, 140 pounds worth of sand in the mail? (laughs) You know, maybe you want to pay for it, but most people don't want to pay that much. Yeah. And, you know, a 50-pound bag of sand is going to run you 2 to $3. Yeah. So it makes no sense to do. And our ceiling system is the best one out there. As long as you are not slamming these things down, that's the only caveat I'll put. You know, what, I don't know what happens to people, but maybe a sandbag, they just want to slam the hell out of it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, if you want to slam something, use a sledgehammer or a medicine ball. You know, these bags, while they can be dropped, you shouldn't be slamming them. There's just too much compressive forces on the bag, because I can't tell you, I've become such an expert in threading and different types of stitching. It's <laughs> pretty silly. But, you know, that's the, that's the only thing I tell people, that these are super durable bags. Just don't be slamming them or doing silly things with them. Probably like, I mean, you wouldn't expect somebody to slam a barbell down or anything like that. You know, they're not. They're very durable. They're not indestructible. <laughs> exactly. Well, cool. Any Any remaining questions from any of the guys here? I think that was just a great little lesson on sandbag training. There. Absolutely. I've uh, taught a lot here. I'm, I'm thinking about ordering some. I really Josh, appreciate you... it, guys. And, uh, and there's tons of, we have tons of free video on our blog. So if people go to our website and check out the blog, there's so much free information because I know there's a new concept for a lot of people and they want to see it. 
So you don't have to make we don't want people to make commitment unless they feel really confident about it. Yeah. That's excellent. Yeah, so go to sandbagexercises.com, check out the videos. This is a legitimate form of training. This is not like you know, there are things that come and go and they're kind of fads, but sandbag training has been around for many decades, if not longer than that. And uh, uh, it's, it's for the most part, been kind of a fringe uh, activity, I think, just because it, it just, you know, in, in a sense, like how kettlebells are a fringe mm-hmm. activity, if you want to call it that, even though it's one of the biggest movements in the fitness industry. But, uh, um, you know, this is legitimate and uh, it just, allows you to do things that, that, that other tools don't allow you to do. And uh, it's the, the classic example is, is just uh, that I always say to people, you know, if somebody asks you, uh, is, is a screwdriver the best tool? I mean, you can't answer that question. It depends on what you're trying to achieve. So you sh- there's no reason not to have a wide variety of tools in your toolbox, especially if you're a professional coach or trainer. And... Uh, uh, I, I think sandbags are just one of those tools that you really should have. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it, guys. Uh, greatly, I thank you for your yeah. time and the opportunity. And I always tell people, you know, my best saying is, you know how when kettles came out, people always argued, you could sort of do that with a dumbbell? Right. You can't sort of do anything with that with a sandbag. It's not like a sort of as if it's <laughs> like something else. Yeah, it is. So it thank is you guys very much. Thank yeah, you, thank you. Thank you for spending time with us. And, uh, I guess, is that going to wrap us up, Phil? Yeah, I think that's it. Until next week, everybody. Thanks a lot. Okay. Until next week. The Iron Radio Podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org. If you're interested in studying diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your students. Also, to help with the exercise issues, athletic trainers, Qualified exercise physiology, 